All right, so one quick announcement before I get started. If you're not familiar with Jen and Will's house, uh, ask them, they're right here in the front, up here, after service, and then they'll tell you the address. We want everybody to come, not just young adults. Cool, so I hope you're not cozy yet. We're going to play a game, so I need everybody to stand up. I would describe myself as kind of like a creative little butterfly, so I love to start with just an atmosphere of fun. All right, so this is the Would You Rather game. Over your left-hand shoulder, I'm going to give you one response, and I need you to move your body over there if you agree with that response. I will also, over your right shoulder, give you a response. I need you to make your way over there if you agree with that response. All right, so response number one. Would you rather eat a tablespoon of peanut butter that you found in the McDonald's parking lot or rub lotion on both of your grandparents' back? So let's get ready for response number two. Over on the left-hand side of the room, you get to be a Disney character of the opposite sex. On the right side of the room, you get to be any animal that you want for the rest of your life. You either stay in the same spot or you change depending on your answer. Get ready for response number three. Would you rather, on the right side of the room, be a starfish, a dried up starfish in an oceanfront beach shop, or the other response on the left hand side of the room, would you rather be a lonely shack in the woods? Starfish, lonely shack. All right, we have two more responses, so I hope your legs aren't too tired. All right, so on the right side of the room, would you rather be an amazing artist and draw the Mona Lisa and all that stuff, or on my left side of the room, would you rather be able to play any uh, any musical instrument known to man? I see you, Keenan. All right, so last response before we find our seats, personally given to me by Jamie Baccio right there. So on the right side of the room, would you rather be a bird in a bird bath, or on the left side of the room, would you rather be a groundhog and dig holes?
it. So will everybody please find your seats? We're going to go ahead and get started. Clap if you had fun. All right, I'm glad you guys could find your seats. So besides playing games, there's one other way I like to calm down, and it's to share stories with you guys. So one day I was at Chick-fil-A, and I was sitting down, and I'm trying to coin this term for everybody in house group, but Jesus time. So I was spending time with Jesus, reading my Bible and praying and doing all kinds of creative stuff. And I felt like, uh, just like a thought went through my brain, that maybe a woman, a couple tables uh, across from me, might have ankle pain. So I decided to go with it then, rather than to get scared and not do it. So I went with it, I introduced myself, it was a lady and a gentleman, and I said, hey, my name's Rick, I, I kind of have like a, a different question for you. She said, what's the question? And I said, do any of you two have ankle pain? And the woman uh, darted her eyes at her, at her husband or her friend and was like, actually, uh, I have ankle pain. Why do you ask? And I was like, well, um, I felt like Jesus told me he had ankle pain because he wants to heal you right now. So she looked at me and she said, well, you know, I'm not too comfortable praying out loud, but if you wanted to pray for me like in your passing, like that's totally fine. So I said, all right, you know, that's fine. Um, I went back to my table, and I respected uh, what she wanted me to do. And then maybe like five minutes later, as I was just about to get back into what I was doing, I noticed there was like a looming presence like over my table. I look up, and I didn't say this before, but Darlene was standing right there in front of me. And Darlene looks down, and she says, Rick, I, I, I want you to help me out with something. I kind of have something like troubling me. And I was like, okay, what is it, Darlene? She's like, I had this dog, and it it was 17 years old, and uh, it had only one eye. Uh, It was wearing diapers, and it kind of had like a little bit of a hobble in its step a little bit. And recently, over the course of a month, I made the decision to put my dog down. And now I just feel guilty, and I wake up, and I feel guilty like every day. So I said, listen, um, Darlene, I think you're an amazing woman. And you have so much compassion for your dog that you took it out of its misery. So I really hope that you find peace in knowing that Jesus is not mad at you. So I I promise this story does relate to my message today, but possibly if I didn't respect uh, respect her decision to not pray for her right there, maybe she wouldn't feel like I was a friend. Maybe she wouldn't feel comfortable sharing something that was inwardly perplexing her. All right, second story. This one's really fun. I hope you guys are ready for it. So Celia and I, we meet up once a week because uh, we both run house group Coleraine together. And not only that, but um, we also do a bunch of other fun stuff together too. And we were sitting across from each other at Panera, and I decided that we should play a game called Jesus, What Do You Want in Your Coffee? So we decided to buy three coffee cups because obviously Celia and I wanted coffee. And here we are, and we're praying, and then all of a sudden, uh, we both felt like we received something. We both had some thoughts about what maybe Jesus wanted in his coffee. 
So I go, all right, Celia, you go first. And she said, I feel like uh, Jesus wants hazelnut coffee today. And I was like, are you serious? That's what I was thinking too. And then I was like, let me try you. I feel like Jesus wants cream, no sugar. And she's like, dude, come on. And then finally, I think we decided to say something at the same time, and we both said a shake of nutmeg. Like, who gets that? A shake of nutmeg in the coffee. So we got so, like, overly excited. We shared, like, the testimony of, like, what Jesus wants in his coffee with the girl up front when we bought the coffee cup. And she just looked at us like, all right, weirdos. (laughs) All right, so those are my two stories. So uh, also what goes in line with my message today is I wanted to recognize some really dear and near friends to my heart. Um, Is Stacy here? Stacy, can you stand up for me real fast? This is, uh, this is my girlfriend, Stacy, if you didn't know. And she is not only the love of my life, but she also taught me everything that I know about kingdom relationships through experience-based. And it's just amazing. We went through this book called Kylo together, and I actually feel like a powerful communicator for once, and it's just awesome. So thank you, Stacy, for enduring all of my temperamental stuff. All right. So I want, is Kitty here? Is there a guy named Kitty here? (laughs) Kitty, can you stand up if you're here? There he is. There he is. There's Kitty. So you're probably wondering, why would I call a grown man bigger than me Kitty? And if you don't know John's last name, it's Canner Camp, which kind of sounds like Kitty Camp, Kitty Camp. So we shortened it to Kitty because it's really funny and makes him embarrassed sometimes. But John, I wanted to call you out, man, because you've actually taught me so much to think that me and you can go out and do power evangelism together and pray for people together. And you're just one of the bravest and most fiercest men I've ever met to go out and do power evangelism with. So I thank you for all the experiences that we had together. All right. But last but not least, I already mentioned this girl earlier. Is Celia here by chance? I know she has dreads. Is there a girl with dreads here? Could she stand up? There she is. All right, Celia, I wanted to personally thank you for leading next to me and just being my friend through thick and thin. It's really cool to think that I can have someone to confine into and just be totally at ease with. So I thank you so much, Celia, for being a really good friend. All right, so now comes the really cool part. I'm not sure if a lot of you guys have actually heard my testimony before. It's going to be really fun, and I'm really excited to share share it with you, everybody here. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. So I was born in Cincinnati. I'm sure you guys don't care about that. But I want to I kind of walk you guys around this real fast before I actually share this with you, a, a really important part of my childhood. So my dad was a really heavy mechanical, I'm just going to call him an engineer because I'm not really sure what his title was, but he was a real like do-it-yourself kind of guy. And my mom, on the other hand, if I could trace her back to her high school career, she is no doubt probably the most popular girl in school. I think she went to Oak Kills, but I'm not really sure. But anyway, so the reason why I wanted to trace this back a little bit is because my dad actually passed away when I was at the tender age of five to seven years old. 
Pause for emotional release. <laughs> and it was really hard on the whole family. I'm not going to lie. My grandma really stepped up. She like pretty much adopted me as her son while my mom worked at the post office. And it's probably not easy working uh, as a post office worker as a girl. Slugging the big heavy bag with all the mail in it all day long. But what was cool is that my mom always provided for me. She didn't give up on me. Um, One thing that I do want to call out, though, is my mom in a really just needing to get filled up, because I'm sure the loss of my father, who she spent countless years with, was really hard on her. She, she kind of tiptoed back into the lifestyle of being a single woman, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, single mothers do that from time to time. But what ended up happening to me was I ended up in the safety of my grandma. And my grandma was great, but I noticed in my heart that there was a little tear in it, a little hole, because I didn't have a father and that I didn't have a full-time mother. So obviously, my heart is not going to be intact because I need that comfort at a young age. So, eventually, my mom met my stepdad, Joe. And this is fast-forwarding a little bit ahead in some years. I was about 10 or 11. And we met Joe, and he was awesome. He owned his own bar, had lots of money, was able to provide for me and my mom, so my mom wasn't stressed out all the time. And he was like, you know what? Let's pack up what we're doing now. Let's move to Harrison and build our own home. And I was like, sure, you know. I don't have any friends here in Delhi that I'm really like ready to hold on to. Like, let's go and have a new experience. So we go to Harrison, and like I said before, I didn't have any friends. So my lifestyle was usually consumed with electronics. I had the strongest thumbs in Delhi. <laughs> and I noticed that there was a guy next door. I didn't know who he was, but he was always outside playing. Until one day, I don't know what kind of boldness came over him, but he just started knocking on my door. I don't know how many young kids do that nowadays. But he just started knocking on my door. And I open up, and I'm probably wearing my Buzz Lightyear PJs. And I'm like, hey. And he's like, what's up? And he's like, you want to come outside and play? And I'm like, well, Halo's kind of calling my name, dude. But I think I could step outside for a second. And not only for a second, but Connor took over my lifestyle. He became a father figure to me. He taught me how to ride a bike. He became a mentor to me. He was somebody that I ran into the school building with, like, have you guys met Connor? Like, he's literally changing my life. I probably didn't say that at, like, 10 years old, but that's how I felt. And not only that, but above everything else, he was my best friend. Me and Connor did everything together. Uh, Fast forward to uh, my teenage years, and you'll find out that Connor and I even grew closer. We, he came over my house like every day after school. We had countless sleepovers. And then one day when we were outside in the backyard playing, uh, my cousin Stacy came over. And I wasn't really close to my cousin Stacy at the time, but she sat me down on the couch, and I'm like, Stacy, what's up? And she's like, hey, um, I need to talk to you real fast. And I'm like, sure, um, what do you want to talk about? And then she slowly, she puts her arms on my shoulder like this, makes eye contact with me. And she goes, sweetie, um, listen, your mom passed away today. 
um, about four o'clock in the afternoon, your mom and your dad, Joe, were driving a motorcycle in a bike rally. And if you guys don't know what a bike rally is, it's just where you go out and you join a motorcycle pursuit and they go out for like a noble cause, like breast cancer awareness or something like that. But anyway, there was a teenage basketball uh, superstar that was going the opposite direction. And it was bumper to bumper traffic because obviously they need to make some room for the bike rally to go through. And as the story goes, um, he was watching the bikes going by when all of a sudden out of the corner of his eye, he noticed the red flashing lights of the brakes being put on. So what does he do? He's got two options. He either swerves left or he goes right into a comfortable patch of green grass. So he swerves left. And he knocks out not my mom, not only my stepdad, but also a few other people in the process. Killing my mom and my stepdad. At first I was in denial. I was like, I don't know how I can really process this, so I'm going to live out my life as I normally do. And I found myself not being the same. That tiny hole in my heart that got tore as a child, I noticed it wasn't a small hole anymore. It was actually a gaping, gaping hole. So I decided to make up a school routine. This wasn't something I intentionally did, but I got home from school, I walked down, and I decided to start listening to music. There's no harm in that. Eight hours a day for weeks and weeks and weeks, I would just listen to music. And I didn't know that I was seeping into depression, but it just happened. And then one day I tiptoed downstairs and I added another turn to the, to the process. I stopped in the bathroom, washed my hands, looked at myself in the mirror, seeing acne mark after acne mark all across my face. And I just heard so many lies going through my head. You are so ugly. You have no right to even breathe. You would do the whole world a favor if you just offed yourself. And I accepted that. I said, that's true. And if I had the courage, I would do it. But that, that courage never came. Here I was, a scared, lonely child, pushing away the friends that I had in my life. But there, there was a glimpse of hope for me. Connor came back. He said, dude, I'm here for you, man. I don't know what that looks like, but we're going to get through this. And he said, I want you to try this new thing I've been doing. I want you to start working out with me. And I said, all right, I can, I can give it a go. You know, it's free, might as well. And I did it, and I remember looking out of the corner of my eye as he's showing me workout moves, like, dude, you gotta check this out. After this, let's go do this press bench. And I'm like, is that what it's called? Press bench? Bench press? <laughs> and we would climb the stairs to my locker, and I would just be in agony, like, oh, my legs. Please, Connor, can we just quit? And he's like, dude, just give it some months, man. Trust me, it's going to do you a favor. And then one day, we were like talking to each other. 
And we were like, let's go off and join our own gyms. So much better equipment, so much better looking girls. Let's just go out and see what happens. So he joined one gym and I joined the other. And then one day, Connor quit the gym. But I kept pumping. (laughs) And now I'm proud to say that I hated it, but now I'm a personal trainer. Come on. I remember receiving a phone call from Connor when he quit the gym. And this, this wasn't in this phone call, but it was weeks after I got another phone call. And he said, Rick, I want you to start hanging out with my new friends. I think, uh, I think you'd really like them. They seem like they're our type. I think we could learn a lot from them and just hang out with them. And they're really cool. And I was like, all right, dude, you know, I'm kind of into the workout thing still, but I guess I could hang out after school. And what he introduced me to, what his friends introduced us to, was marijuana, um, all kinds of different pipes. And he said, dude, this is going to be our new thing. Remember, like, how we did the workout thing? This is going to be us. And I was, like, admiring all of the progress that I've done. And I said, no, this isn't going to be about us, dude. It's going to be about me. So we're not going to be friends anymore. So I stepped away from Connor, and it was the most appropriate time ever because it was time to go to college. Connor got left in Harrison, and I went on the better things. So here I am, attending UC, freshman year through junior year. All I did was I created three pools for myself. The first pool was my workout pool. I drank from that. My second pool was my study pool. I drank from that. My third pool was my girl pool. I really wanted a girlfriend. Never happened. (laughs) What I noticed, and I think this is true for everyone who tries to drink of something that's not a fountain like Jesus. It doesn't replenish itself. So here I am basking in the array of what my beautiful hands can make. But little did I know, the pool that I was dwelling in was turning into a kiddie pool. And And I was drowning in it. Luckily, and they're actually here right now. I won't introduce them because I want them to be composed. But they said, Rick, honey, um... Let's reconnect and let's go to church together. They're having a really fun Super Bowl service. That's good water. (laughs) Jackie and uh, Jordan and the rest of her family, my family friends, invited me to go to Crossroads Church for the Super Bowl service. Really fun. uh, Two pastors going after each other while there's a referee and great worship. It was so much fun. So I stuck along, you know, Sunday's my off day from the gym, so I might as well do something beneficial. So I went and I enjoyed the service, and one day they uh, broadcasted a message that they were recruiting teams to go to uh, Hurricane Katrina to do some, uh, do some supply efforts. And what I mean by Hurricane Katrina is that was the devastation that happened, but what I mean is going to Louisiana to do some repair efforts. 
So here we are. I'm looking up at the message, and I said, there's no way in hell I'm going on that trip. No way. I haven't given up a week at the gym in, like, since Jesus, like, resurrected. There's no way I'm going. No way. But I went. I went. The Holy Spirit has a really divine touch that when he touches you, you do what he says. It's very, very strange. But I went, and I want to give a shout out to any non-Christians in this building right now. Never, ever, for never, trap yourself in a hotel room, very small space, with Christians. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. Because what you'll find out is you become a Christian. So here I am, and these girls are crying, like, I have so many emotional support figures in my life. And I'm, like, sitting on a mountain, like, as a lone wolf, snarling, like, and I'm like, I have no one. But Jesus strung back the bow and shot me right through the heart. And then I, and then I created a heart inside myself. And I started weeping more than the girls did. If I had mascara, it would be all the way down my shirt. Oh my gosh. And I too became a Christian. And then I'll fast forward, but I did all the Christian honeymoon stuff where Jesus was my everything and I went through some struggles and I found myself here at house group and then they took me out of my baby diapers and they changed me and gave me grown up pants. So now I can use the bathroom without assistance. And now I'm actually a man of God. Like, come on. Come on. So just besides sharing my testimony now that that's over, I wanted to give you guys a really cool revelation that I felt like Jesus was speaking through me. I felt like he said, Rick, when you're going to give this talk, make sure that you tell people the three bedrocks of every relationship, every friendship with me. Intimacy, faith, and trust. Now, if you want to follow along, I'm going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. The verses are a little scattered. It's going to be verses 33 and 37. All right. Now, this is where I have a lot of fun. So I'm going to set the stage for you guys. King Saul is waging war against the Philistine army. Two football teams knocking helmet to helmet. They don't like each other. They're like rivals like the Bengals and the Steelers. So David, who happens to be the sheep boy who takes care of sheep, decides that he's going to go deliver a message to his brothers and supplies. And he too is going to find out what's going on. So there's this big quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger who comes out and he is a Goliath. He's fierce. Every part of him is huge and gigantic. He's like the rock or Dwayne Johnson. That's his real name. (laughs) So here we have Dwayne Johnson versus David, a 15 year old, small little sheep boy. Now the sheep boy talks to Saul, the king, and he goes, I want to face Ben Roethlisberger. And the king goes, I saw you throw, dude. You ain't going on the starting line. Are you crazy? Oh, my gosh. You are nuts. You play peewee football. And David goes, put me in, coach. I'm ready. 
put me in the game. I, for one, go against bears and lions on the regular. Don't think that I can't take this guy down too. God has shown me so much and I can take down any foe that opposes the armies of Israel or the Bengals. (laughs) So here we have David standing before one of the greatest foes that ever walked the face of the earth as a man. And David wins. Now what I want you guys to pick up, this is the conclusion. David had to kill maybe, let's just say for a fun statistic, a hundred bears and a hundred lions before he could tiptoe into the confidence of taking down a Goliath. Same way as your friendship with God starts out with small little bits of faith. Like, all right, Jesus, um, I'll wake up and spend five minutes today with you and see what happens. To the point you get all the way over here and then you're doing stuff like Maria says, you're just like, I, for one, want to also to share a story, but when I started doing power evangelism like I did with Darlene, I, for one, didn't go around praying for big groups of people. I started out with the occasional, hi, my name's Rick. This is going to be extremely awkward. I'm actually, like, sweating right now. You didn't need to know that, but I feel better sharing that with you. <laughs> that made me laugh, too. Good times back in the old heydays. Now you get to the point where I can approach, approach a group of people and I actually feel like I know what I'm doing. I walk up and one of my favorite things in the world is object prophecy. And prophecy is just transmitting messages from God to other people that you feel like are going to touch their heart. And it's going to introduce them to who God really sees them as. My favorite thing to do is I see a a computer monitor back there and I go, oh, excuse me, miss. Uh, I seen that TV back there and I feel like because I saw that TV, God really wants to tell you that you're like a DVR and Jesus loves to program you so that he can view all the special moments that he watches through his lens as you walk out your daily life. It's just cool stuff. So I encourage you, uh, look for those small steps and then it'll continue to grow. Now, this is my all-time favorite story. Has anybody read the uh, First Kings before and read about Elijah? Okay, this is going to be fun. So Elijah is this man of God, and he's a prophet. So back in the Old Testament days, not too many people heard from God directly, but this guy did. So he was pretty confident. His first step that we read about is he's getting fed by ravens. Also, I wanted to mention real fast, if you want to follow along, it's 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 33 to 39. That's not the exact story I'm talking about here, but we're going to get into the story that I just gave you the reference for. All right, so we have these ravens, and Elijah is told that he's supposed to predict a drought, and that he is going to go to the secret place, and ravens are going to bring him food and supplies. How many people is going to be like Elijah and go to... Pittsburgh and wait for ravens to feed us. I'm not going. I'm not over there yet. I'm still like over there. So Elijah is faithful and goes and gets fed by ravens. So he went from here and now he's like right there. Now he encounters a woman 
And she's like probably sitting down with her son and they have like really gloomy faces. And Elijah goes uh, real bold like, hey, how's it going? And the woman's like, hi. Listen, uh, I feel like Jesus told me, well, he didn't say Jesus, but I feel like my Lord told me that you're supposed to make me a cake. And the woman goes, oh, is that right? (laughs) Well, as you would know, sir, that I only have this much flour left. So this is going to be me and my child's last meal. So why don't you go off yourself? (laughs) That might have been appropriate. Maybe not. (laughs) But it was awesome because the woman was told by Elijah, do this and I promise God will show up. So she does. She goes, well, you know, cakes aren't really that tasty anyway. So she starts making stuff in the kitchen. And what Elijah told her was that her flour and her oil would never run out. So she's like shaking some nutmeg, I mean some flour. And she's like mixing the pot. And then all of a sudden she's got a feast right in front of her. And her son's probably like, oh yeah, I thought I was going to be dead. Uh, So it's just so good. So Elijah goes from here, and now he's over here. And I'll touch on this briefly, but he also raises a dude from the dead. So now he's like over here. And then comes my favorite story, Dustin. Elijah is up against his greatest challenge yet. 450 prophets of Baal. Now, remember what I said about prophets earlier. Prophets are people who hear from their God. And in this instance, they hear from Baal, a false idol. So they probably weren't hearing much of anything. Where Elijah actually heard the words of the Lord, or God, or Jesus. So Elijah's not afraid at all. He's all the way over there. And he goes, listen, how about me and you, all you 450 people, we go off to this region over here, and we make an altar, And whoever calls fire down from heaven first wins. And the 450 prophets of Baal are like, it's on. So they get into the ring together and the 450 prophets of Baal huddle up. They go, all right, so we're going to start with a halfback dive right up the middle. And then we're going to do this. So they start with a halfback dive, which is just a running play in football right up the middle. They have... Uh, They start leaping and they start calling down fire. They're like, oh, Baal, you're awesome. Bring forth your fire. Yay, yay, yay. And they keep this up till lunchtime. And they huddle up again. They're like, whew, all right, that didn't work. Let's go with an out route. Let's have the receiver do an out route. I'll hit you, Jeffrey, with the ball. All right, let's do it. So the out route is a blood uh, offering. So Jeffrey has to give a blood offering, which is pretty gruesome. And they come back and Jeffrey's on his knee like, I'm out, put in the sub. And he's like, crap. All right, so the last thing we're going to do is we're just going to prophesy till nighttime. Hail Mary, let's do it. On three. So they get back into the ring and nothing happens. Meanwhile, Elijah's sitting back, like probably enjoying a cigarette, like, and he's like, is it my turn yet? All right, let's do this. So he walks out and he grabs a shovel and he starts big, uh, sorry, digging a trench around the big altar. He's like, whew, all right. I, I dug my four foot trench. Uh, can you, anybody give me four pots of water? 
All right, got to re- uh, reassemble my big altar here. Stack wood on top of wood. All right. All right, dump those four pots of water on the offering, please. All right, thank you. Also, fill up my trench with water. So I actually needed five pots. Sorry. Don't write that down in the Bible, though. I needed five. <laughs> and then lastly, he says a prayer. And it's probably the coolest thing ever. If I had my Bible up here, I'd read it to you. But he says, God, I know that you're faithful. Send fire down from heaven so that everybody, everybody here can know that you're the one true God. And then I'd imagine like all of a sudden it's like, an atomic bomb blows up and then everybody like perishes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Elijah made it at least. So as we can see once again, Elijah with the ravens, Elijah with the widow, Elijah with raising from the dead, Elijah to killing, oh, I didn't mean to ruin that part of the story, (laughs) to facing off against 450 prophets of Baal. All right. So I told you that I was going to touch on intimacy too, which I'm going to do that now. So Elijah and David couldn't even put the eye in intimacy that Jesus and you can put into it right now. We can spell out the whole word. So what I want you guys to draw your attention to is I actually picked this up from a passage in Kylo. And it's really, really, really informative. But this Kylo book is about all about healthy relationships and commitments and boundaries. And one of the things I I picked up on is that when Jesus and us go through the baptism, so Jesus died and then was raised, just as we are sunken into water and then raised up as a new creation, Sin and death have no more hold on us, no more barriers. We are no longer shackled down to the ways of our former existence. We are able to have a free new life where we can communicate one-on-one with the Father as much as we want to. Sometimes I get bored and I got to play video games, but for the, for the prophets out there like Kenan, I mean, he, he can stay in the presence for as long as he wants to. Also, I wanted to mention this new creation life takes us back to the garden when Jesus and God, they walked with Adam and Eve and they had free flowing conversation and they they empowered Adam to name all the animals and they lived in total trust and faith and intimacy that they were going to provide for each other for all of eternity. And then that got messed up because of the fall. So now here we are with the redemption of Jesus to say, now is your time to become that new creation that you used to be, to seek after righteousness and become the thing that you were always meant to be. Which leads me, actually, I have two more things to share. One of the most intimate ways that I've discovered that uh, my friend Cameron, all the way back there, I seen him earlier, he showed me was getting out two chairs. So setting up a chair here and then setting up a chair right here. And then you sit down in one chair and through faith, you act like Jesus sits in the other chair. And then you just have free-flowing conversation like, uh, Jesus, what's your favorite color? Sometimes you hear purple, sometimes you hear blue. It just depends on God's mood. No. Just kidding. But it's really a good release to practice through faith. Jesus, I really believe that you're sitting there because I want you to sit there. And just watch as you go from here all the way to either there or right here. Another thing that my man Wilson right here showed me is a very cool way to get 
all of the things on the table before Jesus. Can you flip to my next slide, please? So these are my text messages that I have with the Father. Here's me. Daddy, I am so madly in love with you! Exclamation point. Uh, Jesus, representing the Lion of Judah, so I made him a lion emoji. Heart face, heart face, monkey, heart face, monkey, hearts. So I internalize that as, oh, Dad, I'm so in love with you. I dare you to try and make my life greater. And he just says, you're on. What are three words you want to tell me right now, Dad? I love you. So what you guys can't see on the screen is that my heart's like fluttering right now. It's like dripping love all over the place. And I'm probably either crying internally or externally during that moment. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Here's some other really good how-to ways to start your relationship with God. I've actually fine-tuned it to the, uh, to the five love languages. And you guys are going to love this. Because the love languages were invented to show us how to connect with people that we don't even know. I could ask uh, my girlfriend and be like, what are your love languages? And she's really big in the words affirmation. So if by the end of a phone call, I can just encourage her heart, then she walks away like, you know, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. (laughs) So that's what the love languages are. Um, I'm a big acts of service guy. I love to do things and it fills me up. So one thing that the father and I do together is... Wait for it, kitty. Power evangelism. I love to go out and pray for people, and I feel like Jesus is arm in arm with me. Whether it looks like right here, where I go, hey, miss, I'm sweating. Can you let me pray for you? Or if I'm all the way over here, and I'm calling down, like, electricity or something really crazy to see if it works. And sometimes it does. And people are like, you're a freak, dude. But I really believe in God now, so that's cool. We got, we got that all taken care of. Another thing, ooh, another note right here. Oh my gosh, I absolutely adore quality time too. I love to sit back, like I described with the two chair ideas, and just get to know God's heart and not do anything else. Another way is receiving gifts. As I highlighted, my friend Celia, can you pop your hand up again? All right, Celia's right there. One time I dared her to go out and pray for people at a Panera. I said, you should go and pray for one table right now. So she got up and was like, all right, you're on, dude. And she walked over and then disappeared behind the only pillar in Panera. There's like a big, solid, like, fireplace that you can't even see around. And I'm like, all right, she'll be back in a jiffy. 30 minutes go by. No Celia. And I'm like, well, there goes our meeting. Wait till I tell Luke about that, huh? See how much, how much you're going to be a leader now. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, shoot. Silly, I'm sorry about that last comment. All right, so Celia comes back with a big grin, like, guess what? And I'm like, where were you? What? I got free lunch. Really? How? Well, that table behind the pillar over there? They were so blessed that I told them about Jesus that they said I could have anything on the menu. And I was like, did you tell me you had a friend? Like, friend, bonus, I'm a man of God, I deserve free Panera. Another way 
remember, I said receiving gifts and also giving gifts. Jesus loves when we tithe. I know that's really scary for the pocketbook sometimes, but I love a verse by Bill Johnson. He says, you never sow without receiving interest. So if I'm faithfully going to give $10, I better believe in some format in my life, I'm going to be super blessed. I'm not, I'm not preaching a gospel of works. If I give more, I'm going to receive more. I'm just saying Jesus can't help but bless us, so he's got to pour it on us. I think that was three. I think we got two more. All right. One of my favorite ones is physical touch. That's the fourth finger, I believe. And physical touch, I got to share another amazing story about my girlfriend. She uh, was in church one time, and she was getting over just one of the worst relationships. And she was probably, I'd imagine, just like dry heaving and sobbing. And her sister walked up to her, and she said, hey, like, let me pray for you. Started to pray for her, and straight up, my girlfriend felt like the physical hands of God were touching her and hugging her. Not only addressing the need, but also reminding her of how blessed she really is. And that even if she had to go through that traumatic experience a hundred times, his love would never change for her. Does anybody know if that was four fingers or five fingers? All right, so that is going to be the extent of my message. I hope you guys had a really good time. I had a really good time sharing all this stuff with you. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship band to come back up. And then I'll forestall with like a prayer. I'll make it lengthy. <laughs> Father, I, just, uh, I ask you so much that you just reveal your heart to all these people here. That, Father, that we leave shame and condemnation in every bad word that got spoken over our lives at the door. They don't belong here, and they won't be waiting for us when we come back out. We are sons and daughters of God. Doesn't matter if we start here, and doesn't matter if we start there. We, through our faith and intimacy and trust, open our hearts up to you, and we say, Abba, Father, I receive your spirit. You are my God, and I'm going to trust you whether I got Goliath facing me or a 450 prophets of Baal. You are my God, and it's you who I trust. In Jesus' name, amen.